Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. It's I-80 Sports, and today is the MLS Cup preview show. Alex, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. We've been together since week one, talking to you about MLS soccer, and it is finally here. Yes, it is. Uh, wow, what a what two great semifinal games we're about to talk about just happened this past week. Absolutely. We're going to give a, a quick review of the two uh, semifinal games before we break down uh, who we think and a lot of good information about the final itself. But first, we have some news and notes from around the league we wanted to touch on. Uh, first and foremost, Zlatan says he is MLS, so I guess that's where we got to start, Alex. Yeah, with him, you know, rumors are every week seems like whether he's going to Spain, whether he's going back to Manchester United. Now, today, links are going to the Perth Glory in Australia, Bologna in Italy, whose owner is the same owner as Montreal Impact, the uh, Saputo brothers, or Saputo's, whoever yeah. owns That's got an MLS tie-in, maybe Montreal, who knows? Zlatan, listen, the way he is, he's a very marketable guy, whether he's got it or not in a tank in the top leagues of the world, I don't know. He's going to sell jerseys, and he's going to sell tickets, and he's going to create interest. Wherever he goes, it's a good thing for soccer. Of course he is. And uh, the the one thing that I see people leaving out is the fact that he very well could just return to L.A. Um, we talk about his his playing. He he can still he can still ball. He he's getting older. But what better place in the world if you had to pick anywhere and everyone offered you the same salary? You gonna go go to Bologna or you gonna stay in L.A.? Like I don't know what he's thinking he says it's not about money but to me if if the price is right and all these places were offering similar contracts i don't see a reason why he wouldn't stay in la he's famous but he's not you know one of those a-listers who's going to get harassed everywhere he goes um he, he certainly has freedom in the united states that he might not have other places and alex it's la yeah and you know the, 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 he's talked about being going into the movies being a stuntman i mean LA is the to me LA is the perfect spot for it. Now again, in order to be a stuntman, there would need to be actors who are his height or size or looked anything like him. Which know, uh, it's some of his you know, to know for me a little outrageous. But with him, I'm not gonna say no. Listen, if he goes to Australia, like the or Perth Glory, I mean, he would be that league would, would get a boost like unbelievable. He would be a like a, every game would sell out down there. He would it would be a massive signing to, if he went to Australia. I understand that. To me, we don't know. I don't know if it's about money. It's about, you know, to me, it seems a little frustrated MLS with the yeah. fouls and you know the the politics of the single entity and you know the regular season doesn't mean much. You know, it's playoff time and you know to me, I, I with this guy, you don't know. His mind changes like the weather, so you just gonna have to stay tuned to find out what his next move is. But it is newsworthy. And it's always going to continue to be news where as long as he's playing. He's what? won Europe. He's won championships in just about every country he's played for, except the United States. I don't see why this would be any exception to the list. He made it this far. That team, Galaxy, is a lot different now than they were at the beginning of the season. Um, although they did exit, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, they looked really good for a long time. So, so interesting there. Um, from one former Manchester United player to another, we have some information about fullback. Alexander Butner, uh, the Dutch left back, 30-year-old, uh, former Premier League, and Ajax, um, certainly on his resume, headed to join Bruce Arena on the New England Revolution. Alex, on a scale of 1 to 10, what kind of impact signing is uh, To be honest with you, uh, okay. I mean, I want to go crazy about it. He's uh, you know, European experience. He's been playing in the Dutch League, uh, the VTS, I think, recently. To me, after Manchester United, he only played 
he only played a handful of games for Manchester yeah. United. He was mostly a role bench player, and he went to, to Russia. He's been to Anderlecht in Belgium on loans. So he's bounced around a little bit. Again, a veteran European-type player playing top leagues to come into MLS, especially with, with Bruce Serena. I think this is a win. Yeah. I haven't seen much to play him. I can't really tell you much about him. I haven't really seen him in the last few years, but he's only 30 and, you know, Dutch system, total football up and down the field. I'm expecting good things with him with Bruce Serena. Again, I'm Bruce expecting Serena's- this to be one of those signings that we talk about next year as what, you know, brought New England into the semifinal round. They made the playoffs this year after uh, Bruce Serena, and this this is underrated, I think. He's, he plays left back, Alex. You know how many good left backs are on MLS? Yeah, absolutely. This is a very difficult final. Left-footed uh, back in not only in MLS, but around the world. Look at the U.S. Nationals. Cannot find one. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we know that. You know, this is his first full season for New England. I'm expecting some changes. Don't, this isn't the last one. He's going to want to put a stamp on his team, what he thinks it takes to win MLS Cup, in which he's done before. He knows how to do it. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're a New England fan, I mean, you should be real excited you, you know, you're always checking out the your your feed. They just New love system play in New England. You got Belichick, you got Bruce Arena, those crafts. It's like they know what they're doing. Yeah, you you get one of the best coaches at what they do. You're going to win a lot, and that's exactly what's happening. And the last piece of news we have, I guess, for today, uh, Dax McCarty and Dave Romney are the first two players that will be signed. Um, of course, you can't sign players yet until um, sometime after MLS Cup. But uh, Dax McCarty and Dave Romney looks like. After a short-lived stint in the press box, uh, Dax is headed to Nashville. I mean, you know, new team in MLS, a veteran leader. You know, the captain of two back. MLS teams, including one that won Supporter Shield. I mean, you know, he's getting a little long in the tooth. It may not be as fast or, you know, he's going to get older, some injury start creeping. But Dax McCarthy is still playing MLS. He's a good defensive midfielder. He's a great leader. I mean, that Nashville scientist is that you hear me talk about veteran leadership a lot on the show. Dax McCarty fits the bill like to a to a T, and I can't yeah. imagine an expansion team getting a better leader than Dax McCarty. You know, walking into into the situation. That's I think it's a really good move by Nashville. You know, a lot of expansion teams when they come in the league, they bleed goals like crazy. Dax McCarty being a defensive man or might be able to slow that down a little bit so they get a good back line. So that's a really good move by them. We had some speculation that he might be moving to the booth or into coaching on his own. Maybe this is kind of like his first mini step into coaching, uh, helping out that Nashville club with their MLS transition. Alex, you ready to talk about the semifinal rounds? Yeah. Uh, so much for home field advantage. Yeah, we, we talked last week about how home field advantage might be too much to surmount, and the home teams go 0-2 last week. And I went 0-2, too. I picked both of them. And uh, listen, we'll, we'll start with the LAFC game, you know, the team that broke the record in MLS for most points. And quarter uh, shield champions. And, uh, I said on the show that I saw a path for Sounders to win this game through Raul Rui Diaz, and, and it came. It, I, I willed it into being, Alex. He, he, he was just... He's totally stepped up his play to another level. I mean, the uh, Toronto coach called him an assassin coming to the MLS Cup game this week. That's exactly what he is. He was ice cold in this game. He was threatening the whole match. Didn't seem intimidated at all by going to LAFC. Every time he had the ball, you thought he had a chance yeah. to score. He had two goals in this game. He was he was he was great. You know, this is what you get a DP for for situations like this and big spots and big games to get big goals. That's exactly what he did. He uh, showed up. Uh, uh, Carlos Vela in, in in my book for sure um, he's been scoring those goals all year and I know you love long shots you always rail on people walking the ball in the net but man Raul really Diaz he's just putting on a show he can dribble too he can do that we saw him uh, what was it like the, the second to last week of the season he had like that flick was that against LA Galaxy uh, 
Marie flicked it over the defender's head and just... Well, what I like about Rui Diaz, he can find an open space within seconds. He knows how to beat the defender off the shoulder. Yeah. He's got a great first step. I mean, he just needs six inches, and the ball's, if the ball's on his feet, he's got a chance to score, and that's just dangerous about him. He's got a really – he's just a tough, hard-nosed player. I mean, he knows, he knows how to poach the – get in front of the goal. Tough to dispossess. Very tough. And listen, he's tough one-on-one situation. He's a tough guy. But even in, in the box, a tougher uh, – tougher – more weighted defenders that are bigger and stronger. I'm having a hard time with this guy. He's a handful, and, you know, it shows. I mean, he's really – since the playoffs have started, Seattle's been on fire, and he's the main reason. Between him and Nicholas Ladera, the midfielder, he, been- he might be, to me, the most diverse player. Like, he can dribble the ball in close quarters. He's quick enough. He's fast. He can shoot from outside. He can shoot from inside. Remember the first game of the season we were trying to see if, like, he was left-footed or right-footed? We couldn't figure it out. Oh, I mean, to me, Nicholas Adair is one of the best box-to-box midfielders in MLS. I mean, Uruguay, and this guy, is he's all over the field. He, he's got that – he's also like a, that veteran leader presence. It's like uh, when opposing teams uh, press, the, the back four give him the ball immediately, and he relieves it quickly. He gets yeah. rid of the ball, hits the open man quickly, even if he's covered or not. He can dribble out of tight situations. Exactly. He can, he can shoot from the outside. He takes corner kicks. He takes free kicks. This guy, he's, he's great. I mean, let's go back to this game, LAFC. I mean – uh, you know, all time all time points record this year. Everyone all year long, people talk about them winning the cup, and they basically laid a leg, laid an egg in this game. I mean, they had sixty nine percent possession. They were threatening a lot, but Rui Diaz, to me, in this game, uh, when uh, he was the difference, he he, he stepped up. And, and Seattle's defense, which is an underrated all year, really, you know, it was a bend or break in this thing. They really packed it in. Carlos Vela had some chances, but not really pure cut chances. They really yeah. limited his space. And Diamante didn't, you know, came off the bench. He tried. They had some chances late. And there's a couple close handball calls, which I don't think really were handballs. The LAFC could have had. But, you know, yeah. Seattle sat back, just waited, hit Ladero, and they were always on the break. Rui Diaz won on whatever it was. They were, they were, they were, uh, LAFC were on their heels. They couldn't really push all the way forward because they were afraid of getting hit on the counter from Ladero to Rui Diaz in this game. Absolutely. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about the the composition of these teams and which ones we think are better. But we need to go into the last game from last week and that is Atlanta hosting Toronto FC Toronto takes it 2-1 Alex yeah again another surprise in this game no Altador, no Omar Gonzalez uh you know you know how good Atlanta is I'll be calling the Thunderdome at home they're really good this game uh Toronto walked out with a 2-1 game uh even though Atlanta had more possession and at the beginning it looked like it was Atlanta was going to ease in this game they scored early P.P. Martinez had a great pass to Julian Gress I think it was the fourth minute it was one nothing. Yeah. to me the moment in his match was uh, I think it was uh, the 10th minute Bradley took down P.P. Martinez in the box as a penalty kick Atlanta goes up 2 nothing here in the 15, you know, first 10 minutes of the game this game is as good as over in my opinion yeah. Joseph Martinez he didn't do a crazy hop skip and a jump kind of penalty kick a regular penalty kick Quentin Westbrook guessed right and he nailed it and he saved it and to me right after that moment Atlanta looked deflated. Toronto had another life. And right after that, you know, they took over. Uh, Michael Bradley, you say what you want him in? He was the best player in the field in this game. Yes, he, yeah, yes, he was. He was. And he you know had, what? It's because you can't ask him. He's, he's the kind of guy who for a lot of his life, a lot of his career, he's been asked to do too much. Right now he's settling in. He doesn't need to be the all-star. He can just go and play solid soccer. And guess what, Alex? That's what makes him look like a superstar. It's kind of like uh, counterintuitive. You ask him to do less, he shines. You ask him to do more, he flounders. Third final in four years. I mean, you say what you want. He's a great MLS. Right now, he's a great MLS veteran-type player you can win with. I mean, his salary is, I know, it's really high. 
that could be. I think he's got a bonus if they win this in the the MLS Cup or something like that. I, I, I forgot the read. I think he gets another guaranteed six point five million on his contract. If they Must win. be nice. Something you know, something crazy he's got in his, in his contract with this. Like, don't call me on this. I know he's got there's, there's something going on, but to me, you know, I know everyone threatens him. Everyone says things. Oh, he's slow. Why is he? He was nasty. This game showed you why this guy needs to be on the field eleven for a, a meaningful match. Any tight situation, he got the ball right out of the, you know, the back four. Uh, Atlanta was pressing. Michael Bradley, just like Nicholas Ladero, tight situation, dribbles out, hits the open man on the counter. He was doing this all game long. Atlanta was frustrating. Atlanta could not really, really get possession once Michael Bradley had a control of this game. He basically controlled the game. And, you know, one player, to say that, of an old guy like Michael Bradley in this big Eastern final was, and he was. He was the best player in the game. Well, P.T. Martinez was very good for Toronto. Uh, Joseph Martinez had some chances, but there was something missing. You know, the back line in Atlanta, I was worried about, and it showed in this game. Yeah. I mean, give up two goals, you know. Uh, it's it's to me, it, it's almost like Toronto wasn't the better team, but they're going to capitalize on every mistake, uh, and and that's exactly what they did. Now, I did look it up, Alex. Um, Bradley has a six point five million dollar option for next year, which automatically triggers. So right now, the team can walk away next year, and he could be unemployed, or he automatically uh, gets offered a six point five million dollar contract for next. I'm pretty. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Michael Bradley's gonna be one of the better players on the pitch on Sunday. I mean, he's playing for six point five million dollars, so that, I think that's pretty safe to say. Uh, you know, I'm interested to see how him and Lodero go head to head in the midfield in this game. I think that's gonna be the difference in this game right off the bat. I know Pizuelo for Toronto again, one of the best players in the league. He was very good in this game against Atlanta, uh, but you know, in the end, they couldn't score. They only scored one goal and gave you know and gave yeah. up two at home with Toronto team. Without Joseph Martinez, I mean, I mean, without a, excuse me, jo, uh, Josie Altidore. Without Josie Altidore, and and that may still be the case as of right now. He is in limbo with that injury. But Alex, let's talk about it. let's talk about this final. Seattle hosting Toronto, a third time they've met in the last four years, and this is the first time Seattle will host. Of course, in those uh, two previous finals, they are one and one. They are tied with a win each. First time headed to Seattle, so we got a lot of things to talk about. First of all. The revenge match. These these teams are different teams than they were uh, the first two times they they met. Of course, there is no, you know, you could look at notable absentees like Giovinco. But this is also the first time for Pozuelo. Um, it is the first time in Seattle. That's a huge deal, Alex. That is a loud crowd. Well, they're going to get, I think it's over 50,000, right? Is that sold out stadium? It's sold out. Uh, it's it's going to be closer to like 65,000. Uh, there you go. I mean, yeah. that's it's great for the league. It's great to watch the television. Seattle home already is a difficult place to play, uh, you know, getting the home field. Again, this is where the home field advantage regular season really comes into a play. This is, this is why you want to be a really good at, during the regular season and not drop points for situations that happen. It's, both teams did not win their conferences. However, they survived the playoff round, and whoever had more points is going to host the final, and that's Seattle. And Seattle's a lot better at home. They are on the road. Uh, Toronto's yeah. really going to have a hard time in this game, in my opinion. Okay, so when we look at these teams, we wanted to break it down a little bit by position for you, and let's start with goalie. Stefan Fry against Quinn Westberg. I'm taking Fry here um, on Seattle. Alex, do you think uh, which team has the advantage? Uh, you know, it's a no-brainer, uh, right? Right, but, you know, watching Quinn Westberg stop Joseph Martinez penalty kick last week, <laughs> that doesn't happen often. But, you know, that was a that Toronto's not here without Quinn Westberg save last week in the penalty kick, in my opinion. And he's been, since they've acquired him, he's solidified the, the goalie situation in Toronto. Alex Bono, remember, he was a little shaky. Now he's gone. Uh, Stefan Friday, right now, he's 
top five MLS goalies in the league, and Quentin Westbrook's still not there yet. So I'm going to go with Fry and advantage him. Okay, now defense can be a little tricky. Uh, Toronto allowed 52 regular season goals, and Seattle allowed only 49. So they are close from what their records would show. Um, Toronto, they got beat up in the preseason. Do you remember watching them in the CONCACAF League, giving up five goals in two games to uh, uh, Independiente? Do you remember that? Like, it seems like four years ago now. Yeah, and uh, Simone uh, was terrible. Uh, and then went out and got Omar Gonzalez, who now is not starting. I'm thinking to injury. I don't know what's going on there. but So the it, time- it appears right now that he is a go. He's questionable, but I, I think he's going to make the start here. Um, their back line would look like uh, Auro, Omar Gonzalez, Movinga, and Christian Morrow on the outside. However, with Simon uh, looking to be healthy, um, uh, he, he obviously replaced Omar Gonzalez and looked really good the last two games doing it. If Omar Gonzalez comes back, you might even think that there's three center backs with uh, o- Omir, uh, uh, Omar Gonzalez, Mavinga, and uh, Simon all playing together back there. Yeah, uh, Danny's known as to be a very good technician. He's a very good X's and O's guy. You know, Toronto in the final three of the last four years. Again, they do spend. That's got something to do with it. Greg Vanny is a very underrated MLS coach. I remember being in here when they were struggling. Remember, there was talk to him being fired. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, been to two finals in three years, and they're talking about firing this guy. And now he's in the finals again. To me, the uh, uh, advantage, I mean, we didn't talk about Seattle, but Toronto, it was a question mark all year long, but they got better and better as the season gone. Especially in the playoffs, winning on the road, too. Toronto's winning on the yeah. road with defense, and they're capitalizing on, on little mistakes on the other team's making. As well, especially, he's dangerous every time he touches the ball. Uh, you know, Toronto's back line. Definitely, definitely improved since season uh, since the opening season. That's why they are where they are right now. So I think it's easy to say, uh, good, not great, exactly, uh, but but possibly better than Seattle. Seattle's back line: Leardam, Kihi, Ariaga, Brad Smith, uh, Ramon Torres is going to be back from suspension. We don't know if he will play. Alex, hey, I think he's got a hamstring situation. Uh, he, again, Seattle's you know both teams. You when you play them, you always question see their offensive potential. I mean, yeah. you know the. the both teams are known for offense, not exactly known for their back line. But Seattle, it seems like since the, and the last couple of weeks of the regular season through the playoffs, has been is a lockdown in the back. They've hardly given up. They've been playing really good defensively, and their big three up front with Morris, but Darren Rui Diaz are just taking games over. Yeah, and you yeah. know this is this is now you know you want to compare the three to Toronto, Michael Bradley, Pozuelo, Altidore, big three with Altidore healthy. I'm going to take Seattle's advantage there. Uh, on the defense team, these team teams you want to compare them to, it's very similar. I'm probably going to give the edge to Seattle based on Stephon Fry's ability to make big saves and big spots. So, you know, it's close, but I'm going to give Seattle the slight edge in this one. Okay, so we kind of just touched on offense a little bit, but let's do it formally. Uh, Toronto scored 57 goals. Seattle scored 52 so actually a slight advantage in Toronto, although I don't necessarily think of them as the prolific scorers. Josie Altidore may miss the game. He may be subbed in. Alex, I if anything, I would say just start him and sub him if he's hurt. Because if you sub him in and he gets hurt again, then you're wasting two subs on the same position. Uh, who knows what they're going to do here. But he has 11 goals and five assists this season. Uh, Pozuelo, of course, uh, will hold the attack in his absence. 14 goals, 9 assists. Nick DeLeon, having a sneaky good year, Alex. We didn't talk about the goal he scored in, in the win 2-1 to one of with a blast on the top of the box. Yeah, eight, eight goals, 2 I, assists this season. And then, of course, Jonathan Osorio, 
seven goals, four assists. So even if the top guys are out, Alex, this Toronto team, even without Josie, no, no, they're, and, they're having a sneaky good year. And don't forget about Nicholas Benazet, who scored the goal in the you know, Atlanta, the forward for Toronto. He's been quiet this year, but he scored a couple goals, big goals in big spots. Uh, he's a dangerous player, too. He could score. That curling goal he had against Atlanta was no joke. I, I, still, If we look me, at their depth chart, some of their other attacking options, it gets it dries up quickly. You got uh, Schaffelberg, Pat Mullins. Uh, veteran, yeah. Ayo Akinola. <laughs> I mean, it's not... Not looking too good there. But they, you know, they're lucky. Toronto's very lucky that Pizuela is played from central midfield. He can play left midfield, right midfield. He's played center forward. He just plays a, soccer. I mean, he's just he, – and he's dangerous. Every time he's – he's a lot like uh, Rui Diaz inside the box. He's inside the box of the ball. You're going, oh, shit. You know what I mean? He, yeah. He, he, so, Any uh, other know, year besides this, and he would have been the player of the year. I, like, to me – Just stand out. Giovenko who? Giovenko who? We've – talked about him all year he's one of my favorite players and to me he's got on the radar all year not a lot of people talk about how good he's been in this league and how his skill set he has but to me he single-handedly has helped Toronto be where they are right now Michael Bradley's gotten better towards the end there but he struggled at the beginning of the year Josie Alter injury situation back and forth I remember they tried Terrence Boyd up front and uh, somebody else that had it. it just didn't work out the goalie situation wasn't exactly settled into the, in the start of the year but the standards all year long was Pizuela, left foot, right foot, center midfield, scoring goals, getting assists, highlight reeling goals and passes. Absolutely. Out, of, mean, the, out of the 23 years MLS has been in existence, he would have been the best player. This would have been the best season. Uh, 20 of them. I mean, yeah. And, and, and nobody talks about this guy, which is, you know, I think well, he likes he, it that way. He's getting overshadowed. Hey, I mean, that's, you know, look where they are right now. I think he's definitely one of the most underrated players in the MLS. And to me, he's one of the best players in MLS. Now we got to move over and look at Seattle. Seattle, uh, to me, is a more complete offense. You got Ra- Raul Ruiz Diaz up top, 14 goals, four assists. Jordan Morris, who uh, won Comeback Player of the Year, thir- uh, yeah, 13 goals, six assists. I I, I stopped when I looked at it because that didn't seem right. Uh, Nicola Dero, nine goals, ten assists, um, and they they got support play from Christian Roldan and Harry Ship. Which to me is making a, a difference. Um, this top three against Toronto for me, it's going to be Seattle all day. Yeah, I mean Ladero too, especially he's playing so well right now. Rui Diaz so well. Jordan Morris now seems to be playing even better. I mean, you know, he's had some injury problems being the year, but now those big three to me are better than the Toronto big three. Seattle's at home. Uh, Seattle to me has slightly better defense and the better goalie. The intangibles, I'm going to give it to Toronto with the, the coach's tactics, Michael Bradley's leadership. But to me, in this game, I'm going to take Seattle. I think it's going to be a great game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout in any which way. Uh, I think Toronto's going to pack it in and try to hit them on the counter. Seattle's going to walk out with this 2-1 and going to be the MLS Cup champ. I agree. I'm, I'm also taking a Seattle, but I feel like this could go either way. Like Toronto has capitalized on being not the best team and just scoring some goals and, and getting. I, I I would not have thought Toronto would have even made it this far. Um, I was nope. shocked nope. at the play that they've had. Um, it seems like they've been kind of the inferior offense, but they're you know Alex the goal of soccer. You know what it is? Put the ball in the net. <laughs> and not giving up goals. And to, I remember at the beginning of the year I was talking to Toronto. I missed the playoff. I mean they struggled. They were really really they were really beat. bad against Independiente in the in the uh, Concacaf champ. We got an early, early look, and maybe that's what it is that our first look was so early. It was like in February, 
but they did not look good. Maybe they just weren't ready, but um, maybe Pozuelo really is the difference maker that this team needed, that they looked for. Uh, so either way, it's going to be a, a good final. Alex, what do, you, what do you think the chances are that this is like an, a 0-0 game or a 1-1 game through 90 and just kind of kind of a, a stinker? Possible. Very possible. To me, I thought that Toronto's going to sit back. They, they're, they're not going to go head-to-head, head-to-toe in Seattle, up and down on that turf. I think they're going to sit back and try to hit them on the counter and wait for their chances and capitalize on it like they've been doing all, all playoffs long. Seattle's going to continue to play their high-flying style. Uh, Lodero quickly to Rui Diaz and Morris flying down the wing, try to get, uh, get behind the defense that way and score easy goals that way. Again, so, to he, me, it's almost like Toronto puts themselves in a worse position by playing back because then they'll just be down. Like, like for, for me, the, the path to Toronto winning is they need to come out and punch him in the mouth in the first 20 minutes. Again, it worked against Atlanta. It worked against it, New York City on the road both times. Well, uh, New York City wasn't necessarily I mean, what I mean. Not really on the road, but you know what I mean. In a stadium no uh, one's ever played in. I, I think they're, they're just going to keep doing what they're doing, and they're really comfortable with what they're doing right now, and it seems to be working. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think this is how it's going to be. Again, this ha- this has the potential to be a really, really tight. I, I'm not expecting a, a, a blowout either way. But if you're a soccer fan, this has got a lot of tension, a lot of drama, and this is what we want, and this is what we're going to watch. I think it'll be a great game. Okay, we'll be watching, guys. Thanks for joining us. It has been one complete MLS season. Um, we have a lot of great stuff to bring you during the offseason, so uh, sit tight. And, uh, you know, we, we hope to be uh, posting, you know, some, some kind of new content. Um, it's always been a goal of mine to kind of get as many guests as we can. So let's, you know, let's, let's talk to some fans from some other soccer teams, and uh, let's get this going. Alex, thanks for joining us again tonight. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And one more thing I want to add. Go for it. Someone is out there. The Porter Shield Trophy. Again, for you guys that think you're carrying around, putting pictures on Facebook, oh, we won a major trophy. I want to remind you of the Sir Alex theory. Curse. The curse of the Supporter Shield. Ooh, it's a curse. Right around Halloween, it's a good time to talk about it. Ooh, it's a curse. I can't even do that voice. Three teams since 2003 that won the Supporter Shield that won MLS Cup in the same year. Last done by Toronto 2017. Only three times in 15 years. This is a trophy. Ooh. It's not a trophy. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a plaque. Glorified hubcap. It's a cheese platter. That's what it looks like. It looks like a cheese platter. It's a guarantee for the Champions League. Now it's not. It, 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 it changes year to year. It's not that important. In our country, the regular season champion means nothing. It's a manhole cover. Stop celebrating like you won something when you hold it. Ask LAFC fans right now how they feel being supporters field champions. It was fun the first time. Like if, it, if it's the first time your team wins, that that's acceptable. But the third time, it just gets a little stale. A- ask them how to feel. You know what I mean? We'll have to bring some <laughs> LAFC supporters on the show, and we'll ask them, Alex. All you supporters, fans, beg your teams not to win this cursed piece of garbage silverware. You don't want it. You don't need it. It curses your franchise. With that, Sir Alex's rant is done for the day. <laughs> have a great night, guys. I-80 Sports. Thank you.